presenting the host of the Racing Show, Racing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 15 of the Racing Show. And today we've got a very special guest. She is the ROH Board of Directors member, the First Lady of Wrestling. She is the incredible, the beautiful, the amazing Maria Canellis. So without wasting any more time, let's head to our studio and let's begin this very exciting interview. Hey, Maria, it's great to see you. Thank you for having me. It's incredible. It feels unreal because I have been a fan of yours ever since I've been into wrestling. You know, it's interesting because I first got acquainted with you through your video game avatar in SmackDown vs. Raw 2008. Okay. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, I used to play as you all the time. The way you... <laughs> I know. I mean, people get into wrestling first and the video games, you know, later. But I got into video games first and then the wrestling. Oh, it's, it's unreal. So, you know, Maria, the teenager in me, even though I'm not a teenager anymore, but the teenager in me begging me to start off this interview with this question. How did you feel, you know, about seeing yourself in the video game for the first time ever? It was incredible. I mean, I think that's one of those things that like as a little kid, you're like, I want to be in a video game. You know, you want to be able to play yourself. Right. And um, I was able to. And I remember the first time that they told me I was in it. I was so incredibly excited. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a dream come true. And now the fact that my kids can see that is really cool too um they'll know that at one time mommy could really go out there and kick some butt i know i know definitely so do you still get the time to play video games or are the kids the only gamers in the house no um i you know i haven't played video games in a long time i've actually talked about uh doing a twitch channel and doing the sims um, just because the Sims has this crazy following and, um, I am a huge fan of the Sims, but I have to always delete it because I get too addicted and I'll spend too much time doing it. So I have to like do it in spurts where I'll download it. I'll play it for a while. And then I get rid of it because I don't want to become, you know, too addicted and spend too much of my time on it. Yeah, I understand. What about Mike? Is he into games at all? He um he is when we go to the Ring of Honor bubbles. So like recently we went, we filmed the pay-per-view and TVs, and he was playing video games. Um, I don't really know. Um he what, what was he playing? I don't know. He was riding a motorcycle and like going and shooting zombies. I don't remember the name of the game. Okay, that sounds interesting. That definitely sounds interesting. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good. So, uh, Maria, before you got into wrestling, you regularly competed in beauty pageants. So, I want to know, were you ever a fan of wrestling back then? Or was. Oh, you were? Okay. Was, yeah. I watched it with my brother when we were kids. I broke my brother's nose um, doing wrestling moves on him uh, when we were little, little kids. And then... Uh, I got back into it when I was in high school and I went to a show when I was like 19 years old and um, there was a big window where the Hardys were, um, they were doing a signing. And so my boyfriend at the time put me up on his shoulders and I flashed the Hardy boys because I was just so excited to be there. I can imagine. Wow. So you always had this in the back of your mind that if the opportunity arises, you're going to try and be a wrestler. Yeah. 
Okay, so people, a lot of people know that you started your WWE career from the Diva Search. But not a lot of people know that your reality TV career started from a show called Outback Jack. Um, would you like to tell us something about these two shows and if there were any similarities between these two? Um, so Outback Jack, um, I was definitely uh, fighting for my life in the middle of the Outback. Right. In the Diva Search, same thing, fighting for my life in a locker room full of all these wrestlers. Right. Um, just trying to fit in. So that would be the similarity. Um, there were snakes and spiders in the Outback, and I think that there were some snakes and spiders in the wrestling locker room, too. Which ones were poisonous, though? The ones in Outback, Jack, or the WWE? Poisonous. Yeah. Uh Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I think that uh, WWE gave me a very long career, so probably the ones in the Outback. Okay, I agree. I agree with that. So you found the Outback Jack to be more challenging as well? No, mm -mm. no. Being in uh, the, the only thing you really I mean. You had to worry about animals and snakes and spiders and that, but uh, more or less you had to worry about finding food. Um, when you're in a WWE locker room um, and when you're on the road that much, there is a lot more things uh, to be afraid of, I would think. <laughs> Definitely. But you were a finalist in both the shows. But when you entered the shows, did you expect to be a finalist or did you expect to win? Um, you know, I always have used positive thinking, um, even now with all the craziness in the world, I just, I think positively and I believe that, um, I will win or I will, uh, place high in, uh, whatever show or, um, whatever it is in life. And a lot of times that comes to fruition. Um, so I've been blessed in that sense. I mean, I placed top five in the Diva Search. I placed top three in Outback Jack. And then in um, Celebrity Apprentice, I placed top five. So, like, I, I get to that point, you know, um, and I think it's all positive thinking. Absolutely. So when we talk about Diva Search, right after Diva Search, you worked at OEW for a while. And then you were brought into the WWE as a backstage interviewer. And during that time, your character, it earned a very amusing reputation. How was your experience, you know, working as an interviewer at that time? I loved it. I had one of the greatest jobs in the world. I worked with everybody. Yeah. Like a lot of people, um, they're like, oh, well, did you feel like you were left out because you didn't always wrestle? And no, I got to work with The Rock and John Cena and and Ric Flair and I, I worked with everybody um, DX numerous times, right. um, you know, it's, it's just all along the line, Carlito. And uh, then I, I got to work with Santino and um, watch paint dry with Jeff Hardy. Like I have had a very interesting career because of my beginnings. Definitely. And never did you once, you know, look intimidated or nervous at all. So when you were working with such, you know, big names from day one, did you never feel nervous because it was never apparent on TV and you just seemed to fit in so well? Well, um, I was a nervous wreck, especially at the beginning. Okay. Um, 
But I always like to say that I'm not nervous. I'm excited. And a lot of times that excitement worked to my benefit because it just came up as bubbly and fun. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, you know, even though some people say like, oh, that career and that that part of your career, you were this ditzy girl. And in a lot of ways, that character hid the fact that I was nervous. Right. It's very well said. But, you know, as you said, the character was of a ditzy girl, somewhat gullible. So when this idea was proposed to you, what was your immediate reaction to it? Did you have, you know, any doubts about it? Did you feel if it was going to get over, if it was not going to get over? What did you think of the character? Honestly, I was just excited to be there. Um, I, I, I mean, I came in as a wrestling fan to be working with such great talent. I, you know, I just figured I would figure it out. And, and I did. Um, and I never expected it to get the reaction that it did. I mean, so many people loved it. So many people had so much fun with it. They asked me to bring it back and, um, I do cameos on, uh, and sometimes in cameo videos, they're like, can you do the ditzy Maria character? And right. of course, like, um, it's still fun for me to do that. You know, it's very interesting because when you bring up that era, people often think that the wrestlers, you know, would be offended if you bring up that character. And to see that you're not offended at all and you actually enjoyed that character, it's very refreshing because for most of the people you hear otherwise. No, I mean, I think I think there was probably a part in my life where I was growing and I didn't see the value of it. Um, And it was probably right after I left WWE the first time. But then you grow and you learn and then you have an appreciation and I have fond memories of it now. So, like, it doesn't matter if I you know, went through a phase where I didn't love the character. What matters is how I feel about it now. And I'm I. I love that character in a lot of ways because it was so fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And the fans loved that character as well. And so you worked as an interviewer in 2004. A year later, a few months later, actually, in 2005, you started wrestling and you had some very memorable matches. And one of the bouts, my favorite match of yours is Edge and Lita versus John Cena and yourself. So I want to ask you, how was it working with these three so early on in your career? It it was amazing. I mean, they took care of me. They knew I was new. Um, They, uh, Lita worked with me before the show to make sure I understood everything we were doing. Um, Some of the stuff I was doing in the ring, I had never done before. seen as a pro like he was talking to me the whole time out there getting me through the match um yeah i mean it's it's a match that i look fondly at i it's a match that um i'm really proud of because how new i was in the industry so um yeah I and they're all great people, so that that helps for sure. Definitely. And that match. So two out of the four people in that match are now Hall of Famers and the other two, you know, I'm pretty sure future Hall of Famers. I want to ask you, Maria, what are your honest thoughts on the WWE Hall of Fame right now? Because many of the people, you know, they don't see it as prestigious as it once was. Because people are not happy with, you know, the recent inductees that have been announced. 
So I think no matter what the Hall of Fame is, whether it's WWE or for you know baseball or for football, I think there's always going to be no, it should be this person. It should be that person. Right. Um, and even when you watch an award show, um, whether it be for film or television, you're going, um, I wouldn't have picked that film or, oh, that television, I didn't like that show. So no matter what, there is always going to be that. Do I think that they've had their failings? Of course. I think China should have been inducted before she passed. Um, I think she should have been one of the first females to have been inducted into the Hall of Fame because of the legacy that she left in the industry and how many girls she inspired along the way to be different and diverse. So, um, yes, I think that it is very flawed, but at the same time, every single hall of fame is, um, and I hope that as time goes on, um, they're able to correct some of those errors. Wonderful answer, Maria. So when we speak of the recent Hall of Famers, you know, many of them, they get inducted and a year or two later, they come back. And if you look at the class of 2020, there are two people who have been inducted in April and they are, of course, the Bella Twins. And uh, and there are rumors afloat, actually, that they are planning their comeback. They're going to be stepping back into the ring later this year after being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like if you're inducted, you should be retired or is there room for a turn? No, I don't think that at all. Um, I think that sometimes there are people that are inducted in the Hall of Fame um, because of how um, the current climate in the world um, needs those kind of people inducted. Um and then others are at the end of their career and they're inducted for the entirety of their career rather than just a segment. Um, the twins, I, I'm sure, yes, they've had long careers, but not as long as someone like a Ric Flair. Um, you know, they're being inducted for a, a shorter amount of time, but that amount of time is relevant because of everything that's happened in the women's evolution of wrestling. So um, the, uh, I think it depends age and why they were inducted WWE. They, you know, they do what they want to do when it comes to that. Yeah. Whatever is best for business as they say all the time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be seeing you, you know, in the Hall of Fame one day. I don't know about that, but they will happen. I'm pretty sure about that. And you've had a fantastic career. And, you know, if I look at you, you're doing a fabulous work at ROH right now. And you're just getting started. You're just getting better and better. You know, even years into your career, you're just growing. It's, it's just wonderful. But Hall of Famer, not Maria, you have accomplished some of the best and most incredible things in your career. And one of your accomplishments is that you are one of the very few ladies, possibly the only Megan apart from Megan Kelly and Melania who has ever stood up to Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> while working The Apprentice, you stood up to him for yourself and for your colleagues. Can you tell us what was going through your mind at the very moment you know, when you stood up to him? Um, I think that 
So uh, at the very beginning of the show, Donald Trump said to me, I brought you on the show and I can take you off. Um, so I knew what I was getting into from the very beginning. Um, he is um, at the time he was a great entertainer and he was putting on a show. So um, in order to be taken seriously on that show, you had to be willing to stand up for yourself. So that's what I was doing. Um, they wanted me to be my ditzy character on Celebrity Apprentice. Okay. I refused. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think that, um, I, I didn't think it had any value in my life to go and do a character on a reality television show like that just wasn't what I was going to do. Um, so I I had a, a few arguments with producers because they really wanted me to be this ditz. And I was like, no, that's not happening. Um, so instead, I went the other route. I fought for myself. I fought for um, uh, for my rights as a woman. I fought for um, my rights as a person that was the youngest one on the show at the time. So, um, yeah, I I had no and no qualms fighting with him. My father is a very strong Greek man, and um, I fought for, with him from the time I was probably eleven or twelve. So right. nobody is as scary as my dad is. So it doesn't matter if you're Vince McMahon, Donald Trump, or otherwise. Sorry, not afraid of you. <laughs> I love that. I love that, Maria. Absolutely. But Donald Trump, he accused you of having a locker room talk at a board meeting. So yeah. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Donald Trump's own locker room talks, you know, particularly when it comes to women? Well, I think that... Um, I think uh, what I've said in the past has um, is still reigning true. What Donald Trump says is locker room talk. Um, it's uh, it's uh, talk that um, has no place in my world or in my life. Um, I don't agree with him on pretty much anything. <laughs> I and also he has no effect on my life anymore because he's no longer our president. I'm very thankful he's not. Um, I voted for Biden um, and I voted for Kamala because I think we definitely needed that change. Uh, and I'm really excited that since Biden's gotten to office, there's been over a hundred million vaccinations and we're continuing to build. And hopefully we will have crowds soon back in shows um, because that is what I live for. And that is what I love. I love to perform. And last year that was taken from me. And because now we have um, this path to uh, getting back out there in real life. Um, that's a really good thing. I think everybody's mental health needs it. Oh, definitely. So have you been vaccinated yet, Maria? Um, so I've gotten one of my vaccines, yes. You know, I must say, it's the middle of the interview, and I must say one thing I absolutely adore about you is that you speak your heart. You're not afraid of anybody, let it be Vince McMahon or Donald Trump, and you speak just what you feel is the right thing to say, and... I really appreciate and respect that. Speaking of which, now I'm going to ask you this question, which is about Vince McMahon and Donald Trump. Since you've worked with both of them and both of them are considered to be the most difficult people to deal with, which, which one of them is the harder one to deal with? 
out of Vince McMahon or Donald Trump? Yeah. So, um, Donald Trump, 100%. Um, it, just because I feel like as, uh, Donald Trump expects to have so much loyalty, um, in a lot of ways, he won't give that loyalty back to anyone, anyone doesn't care. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, whereas Vince, right. Vince does have people that he remains loyal to. Um, so in that sense, um, I think that Vince is uh, he's easier to understand. Right. Also, I've seen Vince with his grandbabies. And he is a grandfather when he's with his grandbabies. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen Trump with his kids and that's not the same kind of relationship as Vince has with his children. So, like, I think that Vince is a lot more uh, lovable when it comes to his grandbabies than Trump. And that I can respect. Definitely. That is something that we can all respect. So, Maria, right after The Apprentice, you won a Slammy Award, and right after which, you left the WWE. And I feel like that was the time, 2010 was the time, that you came out of the WWE shell. And you started to try new and amazing things. And one of those things was music. You released your own studio album, Seven Since. How long had you been preparing for for a studio album release? So I think we started recording in like maybe December, January, and then we ended up releasing it um, later on that year. But uh, yeah, it was it was so much fun to write but I am a terrible performer. So I was like, I can't, I get so nervous in front of people singing. Some people are great. They, they, it doesn't matter how many people there are or anything. They just don't have the nerves. Like I do. I am a scaredy cat, like yeah. can't do it. Um, I can perform in front of millions of people, but as soon as I have to sing, forget it. That is very hard for me to believe you never seem nervous to me at all, so that is a little hard for me to believe. But I, but I must say, I love your single "Fantasy," and I still have it on my playlist. I do. So there was a rumor afloat, though, that you left the WWE because WWE wanted you to wanted to have some wanted to have some control over this personal project. Yeah. Your so WWE has been, um, they've always been that way about, um, your personal projects. Um, and now it's really starting to come to light with Twitch and with, um, cameo and all of that kind of stuff. But even back then when it came to my music or, um, uh, you know, me trying to go and do acting things or, um, even going on auditions, WWE wanted to have control over that. And I, I just I wasn't interested in that, especially with how much they wanted to pay me. They I hadn't had a raise in five and a half years. So I asked for a raise and then they didn't want to give me one. So, like, it was just weird that I was working just as much as the top guys were. But I wasn't even paid one tenth what they were. Mm -hmm. So for me, it just wasn't reasonable. Like, 
you don't you shouldn't stay in a relationship that is so one-sided and that's that's how it felt for me was just they just kept take take taking from me and I wasn't getting enough in return um I mean it just it just wasn't a favorable uh time of my life um financially or just like personally right but I'm pretty sure that I would agree that leaving the WWE at that time was the best thing you could have done. I mean, you traveled around the world. I mean, Japan, ROH, you know, everywhere, so many other promotions. And you really showed the world what you had to offer. You were not just a diva, but you were a very strong wrestler and a very strong woman. And of course, now you are back at ROH where you introduce something new for the fans. That is the experience. Can you tell us something about the experience and what you have planned for the fans of ROH? So the experience, the experience is literally the fans booking the matches, choosing what they want, um, choosing who they want to see, what those matchups are. Um, and that's really exciting for me because the fans have lost so much of their experience. They can't go to the shows. You can't go and meet anybody. Like, it's just lame. So now we are giving back in this way. And eventually, of course, we'll invite fans back. But right now, we're giving them the opportunity to book the matches. Um, certain matches on certain shows. So um, that's a really cool part of it. Actually, um, this interview will come out after, but I have a really important announcement on the pay-per-view. So um, I'm not going to tell you right now, but I will have to say um, this is going to be the most important part of my career. And um, not because it has anything to do with me, but because it has to do with what I hope to accomplish. Um, and so, yeah, when you watch the pay-per-view, you'll see the uh, announcement. But I'm really excited about it. So is Ring of Honor. I have the full support of Ring of Honor. And moving forward, um, it's going to be a big part of what Ring of Honor is all about. All right. Um, okay. So what is it that you've always wanted to accomplish, Maria? <laughs> in, in life, in, in Ring of Honor, in what? Tell me anything. I mean, I'm all ears. <laughs> you can give me a hand. Come on. So um, uh, I, I find that um, there is a lot more opportunity in the world than um, we see sometimes. And um, this announcement creates more opportunity. It just sheds a light on those opportunities. That is huge. That's huge because. Wow. wow. I, I have goosebumps right, right now. now. Well, good. Good. I can't, I can't focus on the scene anymore because now, because now I'm thinking about the NASA. I'm so excited. Well, right. I, you'll see it at like 6 a.m. or something like that, I think. I'll be awake. You know that I'll be awake. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, I'm, I'm really excited. Wow. Wow. OK. So moving on, Maria, I want to talk to you a little bit about WWE once again. I want to talk to you about your your recent run in the company. You know, I was excited. The fans were excited to see you. You returned just you. But Mike, I mean, 2017 was great. But um, one thing that I know a lot of fans didn't like was that they didn't use you guys as much. There were so many things that they could have done. And one of the things that, that comes to my mind is that that time the roster was stacked. 
They had AJ Styles. They had, you know, Carl Anderson. And you share this amazing chemistry with Carl. People know it. Why did they not capitalize on it? That was pure money. And did you never bring that up? We, I, I sat in Vince's office and asked him. Oh, you did. I, I think. So, for as far as I can tell, if it isn't WWE's idea, they don't like to run with it. So, since this was a story from before, um, they didn't want to use it, and and that's okay. Maybe Carl and I'll work together in New Japan again. Maybe maybe next year, mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to go back to it. So maybe it's the best that we didn't do it in WWE and wear it out. Maybe maybe it's good that we saved it. Um, I just think that uh, WWE has their own thoughts on everything. And they uh, sure they knew that Mike and I had a name and Carl and Doc had a name and AJ had a name. And, uh, you know, that uh, that Kevin had worked with Mike before and that EC3 had worked with Mike and like Drew and Mike had had these great matches in TNA and Bobby and Mike had worked in T. They knew all of that. Yeah. Um, I just don't think they cared. And and that's that's fine. Whatever they got their own stuff going on. Um, do I think it's a missed opportunity? Of course, of course yeah. it is. Um, you had someone like my husband who can wrestle anybody and be this amazing heel or amazing face. Has this tremendous story of recovery um, and and just a positive outlook. Will do and like work his ass off. And they didn't use it. Um, then you have somebody like me that. Okay, I can be a baby face. I can be a heel. Do you need me to wrestle? Do you need me to commentate? Do you want me to announce? How about manage somebody? Right. Do you want me to, you know, do the tango and and juggle? Like I I will figure it out. And like they didn't want to use me either. So um, it, it was a, a great three years of um, taking a reprieve from <laughs> from working. You know, like I I don't know like. Um, I don't know what the thought process was. So you brought up that they don't like ideas that are not brought up by themselves. And if the talent suggests something, they don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. So why don't you like, you know, like give an idea, give this idea to one of those guys working the creatives and tell them to, you know, tell it to Vince McMahon. And that's and that's what you try and do. But it doesn't always work that way either. Um, and, and there's a lot of like stories that they tell you like, oh, we're going to have you work with this person and this person, and it's going to be great. And then it doesn't happen. Oh, we're going to have you work with so-and-so and this is going to be great. And, and it doesn't happen. And they just string you along. And it's like, I'm getting older and my face is starting to go like this. And it, you know, it's just not, um, it, it just wasn't a great uh, experience mm. for me. It was fine. Like for me, I became 24 seven champ. I was first mm. pregnant champ. Yeah. Like I was able to still maintain some semblance of me and my strength. My poor husband was used as a pawn and they were just like, here, you're now the fool. Like it was just not, it wasn't very respectful at all. It was hard for me to watch that. Honestly, I'm a fan of yours. I've always been, but those, you know, that whole part, that whole feud, if you want to call it that way, I couldn't. I had to skip through it because it was so hard for me to watch. And you, Marie, I mean, I can easily tell you are a baby face in real life. You are such a loving wife. You've always supported Mike. We know what you both have been through. 
you've done such an incredible job as a couple. How hard was it for you and for Mike, you know, to pull this off and do this whole, you know, storyline? So we were fine with it at first because we thought it was going somewhere. Like right. we thought it was going to be. I, I was going to be the pregnant champ and then he was going to take it off me. And then he was going to go on this run of winning matches and like really starting to solidify his place in WWE. But then for some reason, it just all stopped short. Like it just, it's very confusing to me. And he was supposed to turn on me into this big baby face. And I was going to go away as like the crazy pregnant lady. And that was fine for me. And then I was going to come back and sometime around WrestleMania and be like, I'm sorry. I was just crazy because I was pregnant. And like, and that was, that was cool with me because I thought it was funny. And like, then I thought Mike could have a singles run, but just didn't happen. They were like, who knows? <laughs> right. So, so uh, there's Forbes.com and then there's this another dirt sheet, PW Insider. They ran stories of uh, this being some sort of a punishment for you and Mike. They, you know, according to those reports, WWE was not happy with your pregnancy and how they, they learned about it after you guys had renewed your contracts. And that was a way for them to get back at you. Is there any truth to these reports? No. Um, so there, there's several falsehoods with that. No. Um, first and foremost, um, I didn't know I was pregnant when I signed with WWE. So I couldn't have told them. When I came out with the fact that I was pregnant on live television, I was probably only about eight and a half to nine weeks pregnant. So like... I did not know when I signed. Um, also, I had talked to WWE about having another baby because when we were in contract negotiations, I gave them two different options. I was like, okay, you guys can either sign me to like a legacy paid per appearance deal, which is less money, less appearances. And you can just keep me under contract and I will have a baby. And like, I, I'll do less because I was going to get pregnant right. or you can sign me the full time deal, but I'm planning on having another baby and I'm getting to be almost 40. So it's going to happen soon. So they had options. They could have signed me either way. The th and there actually was a third option. Bring me in as like a producer writer and keep me backstage. And then even the farther along I was pregnant, I could keep coming until a certain time where my doctor said no more flights. But then I could have came back um, earlier, too. They they didn't accept that option. What they they decided to do was to bring me in full time, full talent contract and. That was their decision, not mine. Mm -hmm. I gave them the other options. So if it was a way of getting back at me, uh, I'm sorry that talent relations didn't inform WWE of what our family planning was. Right. But at the end of the day, it really is none of their business. Okay. Um, if anything, Pregnancy is a disability in the United States. It's considered disability. So federally, um, it should be treated as an injury in an independent contract. So that doesn't matter at the end of the day. I didn't have to tell them what my family planning was, but I did. WWE options.
they could have chose to fire me. They could have signed me to um, a paid per appearance deal, a lesser contract. They could have signed me to a producer or writer deal um, or even, you know, working down in um, at NXT or they could have signed me to a, a full time deal. They chose to sign me to a full time deal. Um, so whether or not the information was relayed from talent relations to um, Vince McMahon or the management, I don't know. Um so maybe it was a punishment, but at the same time, like, that's not my fault. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And you know what? Um, just like 2010, when you left the WWE only to grow further in the business, I'm pretty sure that this thing is going to lead to better things for both you and Mike. And the fans just love you both so much. It's just going to lead to better things. <laughs> And speaking of fans, Maria, we have a, a video message from one of the fans who is actually also a wrestler, an independent wrestler from Finland. Hi there, Maria. I really had to step in when I heard that Singh was going to do an interview with you today. Um, you've been such a big part of my childhood. You and the other women in the WWE in, in your era are the reason for why I, why I am where I am today. So I really do want to thank you for that. Um, I do have a question also. I would like to know, in your time in the WWE, who did you have the most chemistry with and who was the safest person to work with in the ring? So I um, I had a lot of chemistry with Beth Phoenix. Um, I loved tagging with Mickey James. Um, I also I had a lot of matches with Michelle McCool. Um, so I had a lot of great chemistry with uh, several of the girls. Um, everybody was pretty safe. Um, the only time that things weren't safe was when we were forced to wrestle in like in our heels or bikinis or didn't have the proper gear. So that was the most dangerous part during that time. It had nothing to do with the girls I was in the ring with. It had everything to do with what WWE management wanted us to wear. Yeah, that's totally. I can only imagine how hard it must have been for all of you to wrestle in heels. That must be super hard. I have a follow-up question, Maria. WWE acknowledges, you know, women such as Paige, AJ, Jay Lee, Brie, and Nikki as the pioneers of women evolution. Um, who do you think are the true pioneers here? So I don't I don't think that you can pinpoint it on a few girls. I think that you're going to have to look way back in time um, to really start the evolution. Um, Alundra Blaze, who I had a really long conversation with um, the last time I saw her, was telling me about how she was just trying to get her name put on the card. Her name wasn't advertised. And that was a big win for her just to get her name advertised. So when we start talking about the history of women's wrestling, we need to stop focusing on these um, these most recent facts. Um, we need to look past that and go farther into the past. Like so Molly Holly was a tremendous wrestler. But she gets thrown into like this whole like we hate the divas. And that was when it was all switching into the attitude era. And 
and then they overlooked the fact of how good she was in the ring. And again, if she was placed into matches that were shorter, it's not her fault. She was very talented. Unfortunately, the WWE management was not talented enough to understand that women's wrestling could be viewed as respected and could be viewed as important. So for me, um, there are too many to name, but um, I would definitely say that there are um, from every single era, there are women that have added to this industry and have created opportunities for others. I love that. And what do you think of the fact that the Divas title is basically history? People don't want to talk about it. People don't want to bring it up. Do you think it is the right thing to do? And if it's disrespectful to the people who have actually held the title in the past? I think there should still be a Divas title or it should have been um, retired honorably um, rather than uh, tossed to the side like it was uh, like candy or, you know, just cheap. Um, It meant a lot to the women that held it back then it still means a lot to the women that held it back then. So to say that those girls were not talented because the WWE management wasn't talented is just, it's an insult to the women's talent that held it. Um, And it's an insult to my era of wrestling. I was in the divas era and I would put those girls up against a lot of the girls of today, maybe not as high flying and at high risk, but being able to tell a really good story, I most definitely would. Wonderful answer, Maria. And I must say that I've interviewed a number of wrestlers in the past. And uh, this interview really stands out because I can see the humanitarian side of you in this interview. You're not just not somebody in character. You know, I can say that you're one of the most humble superstars that I've ever interviewed. So kind and so honest. I must say that it's hard for me to now. How do you play a heel on camera when you're such a babyface in reality? I can see that. So. (laughs) Probably the most. um, it, It is the best position to be in to help others. Um, I always think about it like this. If they hate me, they're going to love you. And that is important to me. That is really, really important to me. Um, Moving forward in Ring of Honor, I hold a little bit of a different role than I have in the past, um, but in a very good way. And um, again, my whole purpose moving forward will be to bring up the new generation. I love that, Maria. So what can fans really expect from you? You know, not just talking about Ring of Honor, but from you as a wrestler, as an, as an athlete, what can they expect from you? What do you have next in your mind? <laughs> um, well, I really am desperately trying to get back in front of fans right now. Um, I have uh, something called the hug mosh pit that's in my head that will happen the first time we are safe to okay. have in the crowd, I plan on diving into the people <laughs> and just do a hug mosh pit. Um, and then start the show after that. Um, so that's, that's for one at some point, I probably should have a retirement match. Um, I, I think it's, I think it'll be necessary, um, retirement match, not retirement from, uh, from wrestling, uh, two separate things. Um, 
So I think I think that'll happen at some point. But for now, it's going to be all about um, building up the next generation, um, being a really good wife to my husband as he finds this next iteration of his career, um, which I'm super excited about. You're going to be able to see some of it in the coming weeks of Ring of Honor television. He's so good. And it was like they they talk about um, when you when you put um, like a a a line in the corner, like a a cage or something, and then they come out and they're crazy. Like that's Mike, right? He was literally a caged animal. And now he's like, ah, um, and he's ready to work. And um, that's really exciting for me to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as wrestling is concerned, that is my, those are my most important uh, projects I have moving forward. I once again have goosebumps. You know, you don't even have to say all of that because I can see it all in your eyes. You are so excited for what's next to come, and especially what's next to come for Mike. I'm really thrilled, and I hope that one time I get to talk to Mike and, you know, get his side of, you know, his story. It's amazing, Maria. Thank you so much for sparing the time to talk to us. It was incredible. It was incredible. And I must say that people have always known you as an amazing wrestler. And you are an amazing wrestler, an amazing wife, an amazing human being. And the wrestling community is so lucky to have a person like you. A torchbearer like you in the community. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. And I hope you get some sleep tonight. No. And I appreciate uh, you doing this interview. You yeah. do have some sex, guys. There, there they are. There they are. <laughs>